Welcome to the Faith Debate on 930 WFMD. Thanks for spending part of your Sunday morning with us. you find us online at WFMD.com, keyword faith. And you can follow everything that I do. I'm Troy Skinner, and uh, all my social media and my church and this show and everything. One-stop shop, go to householdoffaithinchrist.com, householdoffaithinchrist.com. Last week, we heard a rather dramatic testimony, so the gauntlet has been thrown down. And this week, we see if Daniel can top it. <laughs> we've well, got I know a, I can't. But we've we're... got a new, uh, a, a, a new kind of format that we've started a couple weeks ago now, where you're going to hear the same panelists every time talking about different issues every time. And to give you a sense of who we are, where we're coming from, why we think the way we do, whether you should think you should trust us or not, that sort of thing, we're spending time walking through a get-to-know-you session. It's kind of like show-and-tell in kindergarten, you know? So last week, Imran Raz Razvi, who is the founder of Conquered by Love Ministries and leads a, a home church, uh, he shared his rather dramatic uh, story. He has, grew up uh, Muslim and converted to Christianity. His son, Daniel, is part of this panel as well. He's part of that same home church. He's an attorney. He'll be sharing his story. And then next week, we'll hear from uh, David Forsey. He is the pastor of a house church. Uh, as well as I am. So all of us in the, on this panel now are house church people. That's uh, not really by coincidence. That's <laughs> uh, That was my hope in trying to put this panel together that something like that would happen. So it's by design. We'll see if it was a good design or not. Um, and I not, don't want to forget to do it at the end, but Raz uh, had a good idea in between shows, and I figured I, I, I should mention it. I'm going to mention it now so I don't forget. If you hear us talking about things, if you hear something in one of our stories that we're sharing in these weeks, or you hear something come up in a future show that sparks a thought, and you have a question, you want some clarification about something in the Bible, you want to understand something about what's going on in the world and what do Christians think about that, um, you know, because of um, uh, Raz's expertise, really, when it comes to things with Islam, you have a question of clarification on that, you can email me. And if you can't remember this, remember just remember the website. You can get to my email, but I'll give you my email in a second. But if you can remember householdoffaithinchrist.com, you can find me. But if you, want to try, if you don't want to try to find the website first, you just want to email me, email me at pastorskinner at protonmail.com. Protonmail is a new email service provider that's out there. So hopefully you can remember that and my name is Troy Skinner, and I'm a pastor, so Pastor Skinner at ProtonMail.com. Hopefully that's easy enough for you to remember. Anyway, so before we jump into hearing Daniel's story, I think we're good, but we had some time between last week's show and this week's show. I have a zillion questions, but none of them need to be asked now. But is there, are there any other questions, uh, David, that you might have, or perhaps Daniel, that you have for your dad, that you might have for Raz in following up last week's? If not, we're going to move right into Daniel telling us your story. No? All right. So I, I guess right. we're good. I guess I'm up. So you are up. So right. everything went on, your deepest, darkest, darkest secrets, uh, everything that the world <laughs> never knew until now. Well, I have, uh, as I say, a boring testimony, which is somewhat of a blessing in that um, I got saved at an early age. I grew up in a Christian home, and my parents were both saved, and they taught me about Jesus when I was young. And I remember having a salvation experience at a very, very young age, at four years old. And, and I know a lot of people, as they pray a prayer when they're very young and then they, they get older and they say, well, I don't think I really ever meant it. And, and so I know I, I believe I did. And I am 100% committed to following Christ. Uh, he is my Lord and Savior. And without Jesus, I'm, 
uh, I, I have no hope. So that's where I put all my faith and all my trust in the salvation. And so I'm, I grew up in a uh, Christian homeschool environment, and I think that was a blessing as well. I'm glad I was spared a lot of the nastiness in the culture. And uh, we have uh, a modern culture and some of the things We'll get into it, I'm sure, eventually. Some of the things they teach these days to kids are, is even worse than it was yeah, when I was... Yeah, no. You can't help but talk about it. Yeah. But not right now, necessarily. But, yeah, you can't help but if you're going to talk about issues in the world today, you'll end up talking about that stuff. So Right. You're right. So I'm glad that I was spared some of that at an early age, and I had a good foundation. And so I was, as they, you can say, an accelerated learner. I graduated very early due to... Uh, God's grace and some wonderful teaching by my parents, especially my mom. And so I graduated high school at 11, um, took a few years off, didn't really do uh, much uh, in the way of, of schooling. I started a business at that point when I was 11, teaching piano and violin because I, um, I had a high school level of, uh, of piano and violin skills at that time, classical music. And then I went to uh, music school and I got my bachelor's in classical piano performance and I was 17 years old, and I had a bachelor's degree, and I wasn't married yet, so I figured, oh, might as well go to law school. Mostly encouragement, strong encouragement from my parents said, well, you know, you should do something else. Get, you know, you always like to debate and argue, and so might as well <laughs> go, to argue, go to law school. And so I, I did. I went to Oak Brook uh, College of Law, which I highly recommend. It's a Christian law school, which mm-hmm. is mostly, uh, mostly distance learning. The professors are all um, actual attorneys that are practicing and uh, they're uh, strong believers as well, and it's it's a very very good experience. Um, Where are they based? They're based in California. They have you know it's only one or two weeks a year that you get together for classes in person. Mostly, you know it's it is it, distance learning, um, but you get a, a really good perspective on legal issues from a Christian uh, uh, a Christian view, and. Also, it, it kind of feels a little bit like seminary classes at the same time. So I actually learned more theological uh, information on, uh, in that experience at Oak Brook than I did at the few classes I took towards my Master's of Divinity, which I didn't actually complete, and that's a whole other topic. But I am actually very much against seminaries um, now, um, there, I went to one of the most conservative Christian seminaries in the country for a part, part uh, way toward a degree, but it got to the point where there were so many things that were being taught by the professors, such as uh, denying the deity of Christ, such as uh, the Old Testament stories are just fables and not actual history, um, et cetera, et cetera, and multiple classes, multiple professors at, again, one of the most conservative seminaries in the country. So I didn't end up completing that degree, but that was very disappointing to see how much the devil has crept in and, and is trying to sweep out our foundation. In, did did uh, you share the name of the seminary? Are you comfortable I sharing did, the name of the seminary? I didn't. Uh, I, for, for the main reason being, I believe from talking to other people and other pastors uh, around the country that this is actually a disease in almost every seminary now. So I think... If you can fill in the blank in your in your head with seminaries, even seminaries that used to be very conservative, very Bible-based, uh, are now becoming infected with that cancer. And I think that's that's really where, what I want to focus on with that that statement. But I mean, we can get in more more detail. I'm happy to talk about the seminary and, and uh, itself and, and so on. But 
that's what I want you to think. You know, we all have our guard down. You know, you go to a Christian school, you go to a Bible school or a seminary, and you think, oh, now is when we're going to have discussions with other believers, and 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 they're going to teach me things, and I should just you know soak it all in, or you know let it all let it all sink in. But there's that's where you're actually more vulnerable because the devil doesn't have to take over all of our churches, and he didn't. He only has to take over a few seminaries, and that's where all the pastors get trained, and it really spreads like wildfire. And so I, I think that's something. Go ahead, uh, Raz. I'm going to steal the mic for a minute. Um, I wanted to say, as a father, I can't recommend Oak Brook College of Law more than anything else. This is an incredibly good school, and I recommend that to any place I speak, any place I go, any parent I talk to. I always tell them, hey, if you got an extra four hours in the day and you want something to do, go to Oak Brook College of Law. You spend four hours a day, and it's only like six grand a year, and you get the one of the best educations in the world from a Christian viewpoint. And I feel safe sending any of my children. Two of my children have graduated from Oak Brook College of Law, and I have felt completely at peace that they're being taught by Christians, they're being taught by conservatives, they're being taught from a biblical viewpoint that they're not being led astray. And I just wanted to point that out, that I'm very proud of Daniel and uh, uh, for going there, but I am just very proud of that school. And many of Daniel's classmates were 50s and 60s. This was their second career or third career. They went to law school, and uh, at that age, and you know, some were, some were pastors even, and going to uh, law school. So you can take, get a law, law degree and actually be able to be in any uh, industry. You can have a law degree and be an engineer and still have that uh, you'll be more marketable. You can have a law degree and be a doctor. I mean, it's, it's a great school. So Oakbrook College of Law, I don't give it back to Daniel, but I love that school. Now, do the Christians that are running that and teaching the classes, do they uh, subscribe to a particular flavor of Christian tradition? No, they're all over the place, the various denominations, but Bible-believing. And you talked a couple weeks ago about core principles and making sure that whoever you're discussing with and you're fellowshipping with has the same core principles, and I believe they do have that at, at Oakbrook. Um, and and so uh, I don't know. Sorry, if I'm, I'm, oh no, we're good. We're yeah. good. So that's that's something that was very useful, and I, I I think with the law school, it's a little bit different than a the divinity school in that. And a lot of times they used to be the same. Harvard actually started as a divinity school. Um, you would go and get your law law degree and divinity degree at the same time, but with Oakbrook, you have to in the lawyer training you have to argue both sides of every topic so you'll get a topic and you have to explain you know the the pros and cons of the different things and so you have to really get uh, understand the other side's perspective but there's not a wrong answer necessarily so you're not going to get beat up by the professors for having a little bit different view like you do in many other uh, colleges and i think that's that's important um but anyway after oakbrook after i got my law degree i wasn't ever really uh intending to practice law per se i do use uh, my degree as a tax attorney um, with my, the family business, Higher Ground Financial Group, we do um, tax planning and, and risk management and so on. But uh, shortly thereafter, um, I guess almost a year ago, well, I guess by the time you're hearing this, it will have been a year, I got married. And so I did find a wife, and God has blessed me greatly with a wife and now a beautiful baby girl. And so we are very excited about that. And my, my dad is now a grandfather. And I stole the microphone back from him, so he can't say, say how. I guess you heard it anyway. How excited he is! So that that's the newest thing in my life, and so we uh, 
or now I'm I'm having the experience of training my daughter in the way she should go, and uh, by God's grace, will uh, she'll become a believer at some point in the near future. What was it like for you um, spending all of your memories uh, in a not just in a home church, but in a home school situation? How do you do? You have any sense of how you? Is it, are you able to even comprehend how your experience was different from ninety nine point nine 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 percent of the people that are in the world around you? So I do have an idea. I will clarify. The home church thing was a gradual thing. We uh, I did spend a lot of my early years in mainstream church, some secret friendly churches. We we kind of got more conservative as time went on, and. Uh, more, for the last 10 or 15 years it's been family integrated so very conservative but some of those were church buildings some of those were home churches so it's been a mixture and with the family ministry conquered by love we travel around and speak and visit uh, speak at and visit at uh, different churches around the country so we get a sense of a lot of different uh, types of churches as far as homeschool goes yes uh, I was involved in a lot of activities as well as uh, some community activities and so on i played rec soccer so i i interacted with a lot of public school uh, students and i've done various classes and things outside of the of strictly pub, um home school that give me a little bit of an idea enough to know that i don't want anything to do with it um of, of how public school is uh, or even honestly a lot of private school um but particularly public school i think homeschool is God's uh, uh, best plan for family. If you can, if you at all manage it, I read some statistic um, recently that if a mother only has a third grade education and she does her best to teach her kids, they will actually uh, test average or better at high school graduates compared to nationwide public school graduates. So you don't need to be a high, uh, highly educated, you know, um, college professor to be able to teach homeschool to your kids. It's not a big the you know, more, more um, and most important thing is to be able to give them the spiritual guidance, you know, and I think you get a, you get a lot more time with your kids if you have them all day instead of just, you know, a couple hours in the evening. Can you share a little bit about the, uh, the wedding? Because I know that yes. the, the way that your family uh, celebrates a wedding is quite a bit different than what most people would be used to. Yes. So I had a traditional Pakistani-style wedding, and it's actually in many ways very similar to a Jewish wedding and very sim similar to the weddings in the Bible. Um, uh, all of the Middle East celebrates marriage in a very similar way, and it mirrors our relationship with Christ, in fact. And so... There's several days. That's the biggest thing that a lot of Americans see, uh, you know, when they see a Pakistani-style wedding, or, or in this case, I'm going to call it a biblical biblical wedding, is th there's many, many days. So it's a lot longer than a Western wedding. Um, so the legal ceremony, in fact, happens quite a bit early. Um, in, in my case, it was about a month. In some cases, it's close to a year or more where you are actually legally married. You have the vows and and go before the uh, pastor and and he uh, pronounces you married and the marriage license is signed and all that. If you're doing the um, the marriage license, all of that's done ahead of time. But the marriage is not consummated yet. You don't move in together. There's no um, uh, relations. It's the legal ceremony is done, and then the actual wedding happens later. 
And the legal ceremony is a very private ceremony for, you know, me, uh, it wasn't even my entire uh, family that was there. It was, it was very small. Um, uh, you know, a few witnesses and, and so on. Very intimate ceremony just to get the legal part done, say the vows and so on. And then the actual wedding is a huge celebration where on the uh, night before there's some uh, festivities and, and uh, dancing and, and uh, celebration for the bride's family that they, they put on a little party for their uh, for, for the bride's family and uh, a lot of women, but also there's some men there from the, the family. And then the actual wedding day is when I come to get the bride, to take my bride home, and that night is the wedding night. And after, then the next day is our first, uh, it's like a state dinner. It's a, it's a formal event for the bride and groom to host as the married couple. Mm -hmm. And so it actually mirrors our relationship with Christ and what you see in the Bible. So if you remember in, the, in Matthew, where, uh, when Joseph, in, Ma in Matthew 2, when Joseph heard that Mary was pregnant, he was thinking of divorcing her, right? But they hadn't slept together. So to a Western mind, that's a little weird. How are you going to divorce somebody you haven't even slept with? So you're not, not married. Well, yes, they were married. They were legally married. They were betrothed. But when you get engaged or betrothed, you actually had the legal ceremony. So it would be a divorce to break that off at that point. And that's how serious it is. They, they were already married, but they hadn't consummated the marriage yet. What happens in the meantime? Well, in, in Jewish culture and in a lot of the Middle East um, legal ceremony, he is legally married. And now he's promised to care for this bride for the rest of his life. He's going to go back to his father's house, build more rooms onto the family compound, and uh, prepare a place for his bride. And then the actual wedding cer ceremony is when he comes at a time that is not set in stone. It's a general time, like when you come around this time of, of day or time of year or whatever, but it can be without notice. And he comes to get his bride and brings his whole family and friends with a, a big celebration and, and uh, feasting, and he comes to bring his bride home. And that mirrors our relationship with Christ. Uh, Jesus betrothed us uh, to himself on the cross. We are legally his. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. We are going to be with him in heaven when we die. But we have not consummated that. We have not drank of that fruit of the vine in heaven with him until he comes on the clouds to meet us at a time that uh, is not announced previously, a, a set date and time. He's going to come to take us home as his bride, the bride of Christ. And so I think the, the way the wedding ceremonies in the Middle East are performed is actually very, very similar to the way God has a relationship with us, and I think it's a great witness uh, to be able to have, have had a wedding like that uh, with me and my wife. If I remember correctly, the very first time I met you in person, you weren't married yet, and if I remember correctly, you had some concern about how you were going to be able to find mm -hmm. a wife that was suitable, who would... Who would share your worldview and your commitment to the Bible and that sort of thing. Right. So what did finding a wife and, and courtship and, and arriving at the, the decision that, yes, this is who I'm marrying, how, how did that happen? So uh, we actually met online, which is interesting. Ah. And it wasn't even a strictly Christian website. It was eHarmony. E um, I was on a few different Christian um, connection websites, uh, but this one was eHarmony. And you can put in, in some of these secular sites, you can put in theological parameters that you only want to be matched with people that are of a similar viewpoint. And even so... Most of the people that the software will find for you are not not even saved, first of all. But you can weed them out pretty pretty quickly. You send a message. So I always, uh, you know, my my first message 
um, to anybody on one of those uh, uh, softwares would be like, you know, what is your eschatology? Because I always like to have a deep theological question to start something off, and I'll know by the answer somebody gives whether it's somebody that is a committed Christian or not. You know, some or if if they don't know what it means, or well, I had one one uh, girl respond with you know her astrological sign. Um, <laughs> when I say what is your eschatology, and I was like, okay, well, well, um, I, I, I guess that's that's as far as we need to go with that one. But um, we had I had a couple of uh, people actually give me. Uh, um, some answers, uh, superficial answers, and, and my wife actually came up with a well-researched uh, and thought-out answer on her eschatology, and I thought that was that was great, and it was a good sign somebody is is committed to you know studying the Bible and learning about it. And so, we spent the first uh, month or so of that relationship talking strictly on deep topics. Um, not only theology, but also our vision for marriage and family and so on. Before we had any um, focus on, you know, building a personal relationship, we wanted to make sure that was the foundation was there, that this could be a match for marriage. That was the whole purpose I was on the, the, the website for. And I think I've actually met some other people, uh, similar to me, that they're very strong conservative Christians that have found spouses on, um, what, for lack of a better word, dating websites. Um, but you have to be careful with how you do it. And I think it's important, the first many messages and questions and comments, the, uh, those need to be on deep topics. You've got to have to agree on the core principles. Coming back to what you said uh, a couple of weeks ago, you have to agree on the core principles. If you don't, then there's really no point in moving forward and getting your emotions wrapped up in something that this is somebody else's spouse. This is not somebody you're going to marry. That's the only purpose in dating or courting is to marry somebody. I know that... Um in my experience with some Pakistani families, that their tradition was for the parents to be very involved in helping select mm -hmm. the future spouse. Was that the case for you guys? It was. Uh, it, so uh, my my parents and, and uh, her parents were in, involved every step of the way. They were all aware of what we're talking about, what's going on. You know, we, we talk about the, the pros and cons and try to be as... as um, as, as from a from a place not of emotion, you know, step back and look at this logically. Does this look like a good match? And once we've identified, okay, this uh, this person does appear to be saved. They appear to have similar um, views to you. So now it's up to you guys to decide if this is going to work out. And you need to figure it out right away because there's no reason to drag things out with somebody that's not going to be your spouse. And so that I think that was there was encouragement of to do that. And because your wife met you online, she's not necessarily local. She might be, but she no, she's actually from Arkansas. Okay. So, yes, it's uh, definitely Big a little shift bit different. for her. A little bit of a uh, culture difference, but we we live. I mean, we're in Frederick, and how Frederick well County. Were you able so to we're in a conservative. To know each other before you actually got officially in, legally married. In the first month, we exchanged the equivalent of a novel of fifty thousand words um, in text message and email. So. <laughs> I think publishing it any day soon? <laughs> never. <laughs> but yes. Um, so that's what we did. Um, and someone's knocking on the door. Yeah, I'm not sure uh, when they're trying to get my attention, but then they walked away. I don't know what's going on, but uh, the, the, the record light is lit. The on-air light is lit, so I'm not sure All right. what that's about. But, yeah. <laughs> 
Might be a cleaning crew looking to get in here. I, I guess know. if it's important enough, they'll break down the door and tell us. Yeah. <laughs> so as, as a father, I wanted to be uh, very, very um, strict. With, and you don't spend time trying to get to know somebody you're not going to marry. The purpose of courtship is to marry somebody. And you don't want to get your emotions involved. So we wanted Daniel to really investigate and find out where their uh, the the background is, what they're looking for, and get that resolved before they even met. And then Daniel did go meet them and, and so forth. So it, it worked out, and they got to know each other pretty well. And, uh, again, uh, they chose to love each other. Again, we'll come back to that sometime. In the yeah, future. that'll be a show that we'll do in the future. That's going to put a wrap on this week's show. So uh, last week we heard from Raz and his testimony and his life story. This week we heard from Daniel and... Uh, both of them are part of the Raz V family, uh, heard their story. And next week we're here from uh, David Forsey. Uh, all of us in this room are uh, pastors of house churches or involved with pastoring house churches. And next week we'll hear from the pastor of the Church of Meet David. Oh, you know, with our churches, that sort of thing. The easiest thing, the one-stop shop, is to go to the householdoffaithinchrist.com website. That's my church's website, and I'm linking to everything that has links that's related to what we're doing. So you can find my email there. You can find links to this show there. It's the easiest thing, householdoffaithinchrist.com. Till next week, 167 and a half hours from right about now. God bless. Past editions of this program are available in the audio vault at WFMD.com. This is 930 WFMD and WFMD.com. Now. WFMD News. A domestic violence and abduction case was handled by the Frederick County Grand Jury on Friday. The panel indicted Junior Anthony Francis of Walkersville for first and second degree assault, third and fourth degree sex offense, and kidnapping of a child under 16. State's Attorney Charlie Smith said on Saturday, June 20th, the Sheriff's Office responded to the 6100 block of Murray Terrace in Frederick for a domestic incident. Once again, they found it involved strangulation. And then after that, the defendant had taken her one-year-old baby, hence the kidnapping charge. The sheriff's office was able to locate Francis and the baby in Gaithersburg. After pinging his phone, Francis was taken into custody. The grand jury returned 13 indictments. These cases now moved to circuit court where trial dates will be scheduled. To read more, go to our website at WFMD.com. Incumbent Mayor Michael O'Connor continues to maintain his lead in the Frederick City Democratic mayoral primary with more than 2,200 votes. That's according to the latest count of mail-in and drop-box ballots that took place on Friday. Number two is former Mayor Jennifer Darty, followed by Alderman Roger Wilson and John Funderburg. In the Republican primary, Steve Hamrick is in the lead with 472 votes, followed by Steve Garrahy with 369 votes. The Democratic aldermanic race is still showing newcomer Katie Nash out in front, followed by incumbent alderman Derek Shackelford. Donna 